once again welcome back to the coffee and heroes podcast again with alan uh just picking up on part three of the batman v superman extended edition commentary so at this point you've either liked my ramblings you feel pity for my ramblings you totally disagree with my ramblings but i guess you're back here listening to the third part so uh cheers for tuning in guys so we're going to just pick it up then where uh, Ma Kent has been kidnapped uh, by Luther's henchmen. Uh, we're about to launch into, I'd almost say this is the third act of the movie because we're um, one hour, 49 minutes and 23 seconds in as I have it paused. And it is a very long third act, obviously made longer by the fact this is the extended edition. But this is going to be the act where all the main action happens, where Batman fights Superman. Uh, the introduction of Wonder Woman, um, the creation of Doomsday. Uh, so there's a lot to uh, chat through in the next hour and a bit, as I say. So once again, we're at 1 hour, 49 minutes, 23 seconds. Uh, again, I have the volume turned down. I know this movie inside and out. Uh, so just pressing play now. So the direct cut from there is straight to some of the best imagery you'll ever see in a Batman movie. So... Bruce is in his armoured Batman suit at this point. Uh, he's preparing himself for the final battle. Now, you get the sense that they've been working in this suit for a long, long time. You know, this is why you have the 18 months pass at the beginning, I think, because that's how long it takes them to develop this tech. Uh, this, by the way, whatever you say about Zack Schneider in terms of character development or storyteller, as a visual director, he is phenomenal. I mean, this is some of the best stuff you'll ever see. Batman standing beside the bat signal, pouring down with rain. It's a real macho come and get me moment after the uh, the earlier confrontation with Superman where he said, if they shine your light in the sky again, I'll be there to, uh, to take you out. So Luther sees the bat signal from across the bay. And this makes him think that, you know, his plan is progressing rather nicely. Nice little slimy smile on his face. And again, I go back to, I like, I like Eisenberg in the role, but that does seem to be an unpopular opinion. Uh, what I will say at this point is Lois's powers of observation are not the best. She looks straight at this guy. She dealt with him earlier in the desert at the start of the movie. Now, she does try to walk up to him here with that, don't I know you from somewhere? But given that that was one of the more traumatic moments of her life, she probably should have recognised the... Uh, the greasy guy with the tattoos as one of the guys who pretty much made an attempt on her life and uh, has been working for Luther the whole time. So you know, now Lois is kidnapped. So both women in uh, Superman's life are now being held to ransom at this point or being held hostage, I should say. So Lois thrown in the back of the truck and then they drive off. Which leads us to uh, a LexCorp helicopter uh, going to Lex's building. And we know in there is Lois Lane. Uh, of course, Lex has to have the tallest building in Metropolis. I'd be curious to know if it's taller than Wayne Tower in Gotham. Uh, in the comics, Lex and Bruce have always had this ongoing sort of rivalry for who's bigger and better, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be curious just to see in the terms of the design in this, uh, whose building is taller. So Lois comes face to face with Luther, you know, she, she knows a lot of truths about him at this point. Uh, she tries to rattle him a little bit with what she knows, but he doesn't really look uh, like someone who's rattled rather easily. You know, she's almost like, I know what you've done. He just doesn't care. So... So obviously at this point, Lex has worked out that Lois and Clark are together. Uh, obviously, he's kidnapped Clark Kent's mother, so he has worked out who Superman is. But he also knows that this is the uh, the fastest way to get to Superman is to put Lois's life in danger because it's the one thing that's going to make Clark come running. So, thinks to himself, how can I get Soups up here to have a little chat with him? Oh, I know, I'll basically throw Lois over the uh, the edge of the building. Again, we have a little bit more of the rambling, maniacal Lex here. You get the feeling he's not in full control of all his faculties and his intelligence. Almost like his brain's too big for his body or something. But, uh, yeah, so pushes Lois off here. 
you have to say, although Lois has her eyes closed, she's not too worried because she knows Clark will catch her. And that, that's just a cracking moment, just that look of, I got you. You know, and then flies down nice and safely. A classic Superman pose of cradling Lois to the ground. Alright, Soups, I know you're turned on at this point, but you've got a bad guy to go and deal with, you know? So, yeah, off he goes. This is a slightly more forceful Clark we're seeing at this point as well because he does say say that, you know, he'll try not to break him, which is more than you deserve. But, you know, obviously as he comes a little closer to Lex and he realizes Lex obviously has a plan at this point. And again, calls him Clark and... Obviously, Superman's slightly taken aback if he knows who I am. You know, surely he knows who my family is. Because that's always been the whole reason for Clark's secret identity, you know, protect those who's close to him. Uh, <clears throat> There's a really good little line here, actually, as Lex is going on, talking about he had no father there to save him, you know, from the violence and abominations and all this kind of thing. And to save him from the fists and he does say that and then later on when doomsday is uh is created so to speak and doomsday doesn't really know who lex is he tries to punch him and it's actually clark that stops him so it's a nice little moment of symmetry where he's saying you know no one was there to stop me from being punched and then it actually turns out his mortal enemy is the one who actually stops doomsday from uh knocking him in the next week God versus man, day versus night. Love all this opposition. I love how this is all basically just part of Lex's plot, just to get these two to fight. He knows he'll eliminate one of them. He's hoping he obviously gets rid of Superman. He's appealed to Batman's hatred of Superman. You know, he even sort of laughs and jokes about how easy it was, you know, a little note here, a little letter there. Um, and again, because of the whole 18 month thing, it shows that he's a long-term planner. Uh, so he pulls out the Polaroids now of uh, Martha, Martha Kent. Uh, should be said not Martha Wayne at this point, that's a whole other thing. <clears throat> and uh, they're quite horrific little images, you know, with, you know, her bound and gagged and they're slightly blurry Polaroids. And, you know, for all of Superman's strength, you know, at the end of the day, someone has his mother. You know, witch pointed overhead. I mean, that's pretty dark imagery right there. And again, he almost loses control of himself, but he... Uh, Lex again is smart because he doesn't want to know exactly where she is because otherwise he might be forced to give that up through torture or punishment, anything like that. So, you know, this is where Lex has Superman exactly where he wants him. You know, you may have all your strength, all your abilities, but you know what? You will bow in front of me. And that's, that's the classic Superman-Lex Luthor relationship in a nutshell right there. So he's basically saying, oh, bring me the head of the bat and I'll tell you where your mum is. You had an hour, now it's less. The reason why I like this interpretation of Lex, I don't know if I've talked about it before, is he's so weedy, he's so, you could snap him into like a, a regular sized guy could probably beat the absolute crap out of Lex, but he has this aura of power because he's intelligent, he's clever, he's maniacal. I think that uh, there's a lot to be said for that. So now we're setting up in uh, the warehouse where uh, Martha Kent is being held and by the same goons who were out in the desert at the start. Uh, this whole warehouse set is seen to one of if you ask me, one of the single greatest uh, fight sequences in uh, any superhero movie, in any movie in general, to be honest. 
Uh, it's it's truly exceptional, I think. I will say it just, just jumped there from about 58 minutes to 34. It would not take Superman 24 minutes to uh, get across to Gotham. Even if he does stop to speak to Lois, which he does here in a second, you know, saying no one stays good in this world. But even here, oh, sorry, I'll just interrupt quickly. So we're getting a bit of a better look again at uh, Diana. She's starting to see, you know, what's happening with regards to unusual activity. And you know, she's not particularly in a hurry to get involved at this point, it must be said. But yeah, so yeah, Clark stops here just to chat to Lois quickly. You know, talking about how no one stays good in this world and he has to go to Gotham. But again, his first instinct isn't, I have to go and kill him. His first instinct is, I have to go and ask for his help. You know, he wants to team up, you know, super friends and all the rest. So, again, showing that Clark always goes for the, the better option, first of all, instead of the violent one. So, again, we're getting a little bit more of Diana. I mean, what... No matter what people say about this movie, whether it's theatrical cut, extended cut, whatever, this seems to be the one universally praised element of this movie, which of course led to a great movie with Wonder Woman. You know, Gal Gadot as Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman is, is pitch perfect. Uh, so again here, Bruce saying, you know, boys share too. I quite like that. A little bit of, a little bit of banter, almost a little bit of flirtation between the two of them, set nice and early. Again, this it doesn't have much meaning in this movie, you know, the showing of this photo. But, of course, when we watch Wonder Woman, we'll see how that photo was taken and where it was taken. And I love the musical cue sort of starting to pop in here. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Junkie XL score in this movie, I will say. I think Hans Zimmer's score in Man of Steel was much, much superior. Uh, but this is the one theme tune they got right. This whole Wonder Woman theme is brilliant. Um, I do find it interesting that Lex gave them all logos. Because this is all from Lex's drive. So, you know, he decided to design the logo for The Flash, design the logo for Aquaman, and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> this is our first introduction that there is more metahumans, more superpower beings in this world. Uh, we just see some grainy security camera uh, footage here of Ezra Miller as Barry Allen. And I like this because it's just, it's suggestive. It's just a very quick pushover and then he's back in position. It's not like a changing into his flash outfit and running through the store and all the rest. Uh, then we have the Aquaman stuff. <clears throat> I think this is really nicely done as well. I especially love the shot here of the two eyes and then just coming through. I think that's that's great, so it is. Um, he was one of the, the bigger successes of Just Justice League, I would say. And I'm looking forward to the Aquaman movie out at the end of this year. I believe there's going to be a... Uh, trailer at comic-con san diego so we can look forward to that but i do like how it just powers away in the ocean then we have what i thought was going to be the weakest element in terms of the setup for justice league cyborg's never been a character i've massively got on board with but in justice league i thought he was excellent i will say there is a bit of a lack of green lantern here although maybe warner brothers and dc were staying away from green lantern after the uh ryan reynolds train wreck I will say that Joe Morton playing his father, I mean, this guy's just determined to build artificial intelligence and, you know, destroy the world. Uh, our first look at a mother box there as well. Uh, but yeah, just he, he seems determined to do this. I mean, he tried his best in Terminator to uh, build artificial intelligence and destroy the world. Uh, so, interesting bit of casting there. But I like how you can see Cyborg's body actually growing in the background with the introduction of the mother box before the footage is cut off. Um, so again, look at this imagery, you know, the rain pouring down, the bat signal in the sky, the heavily sort of armoured Batman. I mean, this imagery is just absolutely superb. Um, I do think they could have done a little bit more maybe with the Daily Planet and Perry and so forth in this movie because he was one of the best elements, I think, of Man of Steel. But he just seems to be here a lot to say Dropbox, sports pages and no loss, no loss, yes loss. So, uh, he doesn't really have much of a role in this one. So again, Bruce is standing there, all um, suited up, looks at Superman in the sky. I mean, all this imagery is amazing. I mean, this is all just straight out of Dark Knight Returns. 
you know, even the little traps that, that he sets here for him, even just that little smile, a little smirk, he's confident in his, uh, in his abilities. But that's the first time you've had Superman or Clark say Bruce. Obviously, he's X-ray vision. He can see exactly who he is. Um, hits him with a few sonic blasts, first of all, slowing him down. The little smirk, again, I think straight out of the animated series. But again, Supes has no time for this nonsense. So he pulls that down quickly. Um, <clears throat> steps up to him again. I love this squaring up. But I do love the whole machis the machismo of it. And then Superman just sort of like pushes him pretty gently in fairness. And he goes about 30 feet across the, uh, across the path. But again, Batman's prepared for this kind of stuff. He has other elements to protect himself with. Uh, so a rain of bullets. Doesn't do an awful lot the soups, it has to be said. But I think at this point it's more of a distraction rather than aiming to hurt him, shall we say. You know, Bruce just needs to uh, get his bearings again. I love the design of that, that suit. It's awesome. And again, just that imagery of Clark coming through. Like, right, you've given me no choice. You keep attacking me, you keep attacking me. It, it's not far off from the whole Hulk and the Avengers going puny human. This little part is actually only in the extended edition. If you watch the theatrical cut when he pushes Bruce there, he actually ends up on the roof. So there's a little bit more brutality, a little bit of a longer fight sequence here, which I certainly uh, can get on board with. I love him throwing him into the bat signal as well. It actually reminds me of the animated series. There's a great episode where it's Bane and Batman fight on the roof and the, uh, gets thrown into the, uh, the bat signal as well. So at this point, yes, Superman, he's just basically playing around with him. He's like, you know, stay down. If, it, if I wanted to, you'd be dead already. But again, Bruce isn't phased. You know, Batman is prepared for this kind of stuff. Throws out a little smoke grenade. Nothing particularly major, which Superman tries to jump straight through. But what he didn't 100% uh, think about at that point is, boom. Catches it, thinks easy peasy, but kryptonite is one fatal weakness. It's always amazed me that Superman's existed in the comics for 80 years when he literally has one weakness. You know, he's, he's such an all-powerful being. He's so overpowered. You think, how have they made so many interesting stories with him? That's why I've always preferred Batman because he's just a man. You can get at him easier, I think. But again, all this stuff I think is great. You know, breathe it in. That's fear. You know, it's consuming you. You can have everything you want. And this is one of the best lines of the movie. You were never a man. Men are brave. And so begins the ass kicking by Batman. Especially love this little headbutt. Little sideways headbutt almost. And then running along, jump on top again. A lot of this is just scene for scene almost out of The Dark Knight Returns. Again, showing great respect for the source material. Crash down. I mean, that's going to hurt. I don't care if you're Superman. That sort of weight crashing down in your chest. Just boots him around. You know, this this is a brutal Batman. Comes this headbutt. Gadunk. Even that, see, especially that part where he punches him and sort of half of Batman's body twists around and as he punches him, that is a panel straight out of Dark Knight Returns. So now at this point, Superman's sort of thinking like, look, mate, you've had your fun. Throws Batman through the wall. I mean, he's still not fully recovered, but you can see he is recovering quite a bit. This was actually some of the footage they used when they first announced this movie. The two of them running at each other, just about to crash into each other. I love that Batman gets the edge there. <laughs> this was a great comedic moment. Like, I love that he keeps punching him, his face is hurting, and then eventually he just punches him and his face doesn't even move. And just Batman has this look of, oh shit. <laughs> Even puts the little hand up and say, uh, hold on a second here. And again, Superman's no time for this. Crashes him straight down. I'd really like to freeze frame some of this and look at some of the graffiti on the walls because you see one or two little bits and pieces that um, suggest this is the lived-in Gotham. You, know, you see like question marks for the Riddler and I'm nearly sure I saw like a Mr. J sign somewhere. So again, it's it's attention to detail that, that I love. And that's one of the reasons I enjoy watching this over and over again. So again, Bruce has still got some kryptonite grenades. Pretty much his only one good weapon against Superman at this point. 
which of course he utilizes just in time. But not before Superman crashes into him, sort of cracks a little bit of his helmet. But now this is two heavy doses of kryptonite that Clark's having to put up with now. You know, Superman hasn't really been exposed to kryptonite an awful lot until this point. So you could understand why he's actually struggling. And again, just this sheer brutality lifting of this sink just cracks him with it several times. I mean, I love this sort of shattered mask as well. It does show how demented Batman is at this point. You know, and how, how over the edge he's went. You know, he has went too far. But again, he believes in what he's doing. So, you look at that strength again. Just picks him up. Like, like I think that says who watches the Watchmen. And a different line. I think it's in Latin. I think I read somewhere. But uh, again, just a little detail like that. I think it's awesome. Here we have Batman's best device of all, the grappling hook. Again, those shots are just fantastic. Joe Kerr, Joe Arrow Across, KR. Little smiley face there as well, is that another Watchman reference? Looked like there was a wee spray paint of blood over it almost. That looks like an anarchy symbol on the side there as well. Another Batman uh, villain. And you can see here, what's great is that Batman has thought about all of this. This is exactly where he wants to have Superman in this building. This is where he left the kryptonite spear. This is how he knew the fight would go. He knew there would be parts that he would struggle, but he knew he could recover. <clears throat> where it only makes sense if you force it to but again the spear is right there it's not like he's had to go looking for it this is exactly you know this is in line almost with Grant Morrison's Batman where he's basically the ultimate tactician uh, you know he plans it you give Batman enough prep time he can defeat anyone and ultimately, I suppose that's what the 18 months is about as well. Uh, so Lois comes in. There's a few bits and pieces here that sort of wind me up a little bit with Lois. Uh, or is that someone's written Lex over there, maybe? So again, Bruce almost just wants to test the kryptonite on him. So he just sort of slices a little bit of his face. You were never even a man. Now, this is probably the most controversial scene in the whole movie. Save Martha. The thing is, you know, why'd you say that name? You know, all this kind of stuff. What does that mean? In people's heads who've seen this movie once, maybe twice, they seem to think this scene goes on for about three or four minutes. And it's like, your, your mom's name's Martha? My mom's name's Martha. That's not what this scene is about. You know, Bruce has always been a mummy's boy. He's never got over the death of his mother. Um, you know, he had to witness that firsthand. And now what he sees, uh, and, and the reason he became Batman was so that the same thing would never happen to someone else that happened to him. So for him to be over this, what he thought was this dangerous alien, and the guy, when he's dying, his first thought is, save my mum. He's just, he's just a scared little boy almost who wants his mother. And that just reminds Bruce of what happened to him when he was a kid. So is it a little clumsily executed? Maybe. But I have no problem with this personally. I can get past it very quickly. You know, and he's like, why did you say that name thing? It's something to do with his mum. But it's a weird thing. I'd never, in all my years of comic book reading, I'd never actually considered that the mums had the same name. For whatever reason. I've just always thought of... Martha Kent is Ma Kent, just Ma and Pa Kent. I don't know, maybe that's why. But, um, but again, this shows Batman that he was going too far. He was ready to kill this guy who's just searching out for his mother, and he's actually taking a moment to listen to other people and to try and actually accept the fact that maybe Superman is here to you know help people. 
So he tosses the kryptonite spear away. So because it's a little further away from him, you can actually see uh, Clark starting to recover a little bit. So we go now, this is the, the Kreischau, the Kryptonian ship. Again, there's some strange things afoot in there. Cut to Martha, she now sees there's 10 minutes left. I mean, he likes to be prepared. He, he enjoys torching people. He's getting that flamethrower ready 10 minutes early. That's a proper maniac. So now we start to see the, the bromance begin, if you will. Um, and now Clark obviously wants to go after his mother. But th again, the whole reason this Martha thing works for me is because this has given him an opportunity to save someone's mother. Which again, it all goes back to the whole point that he never wants what happened to him to happen to anybody else. That's why he says Martha will not die tonight. That's his whole mission. That's why it makes sense. That's why it closes that circle. But yet some people just seem to think it's, oh, your mom and dad's, your mom's name's the same as my mom's. We're best friends. Which is nothing of the sort. But there you go. Anyway, so Batman jumps into his uh, Batwing. Middle East got changed pretty quickly out of the mech suit and into his normal stuff there. A little bit more Alfred, always welcome. I have to say. So again, I was chatting earlier about the warehouse scene. That's what this is leading to. The single best fight sequence of the entire movie. I have to say. Again, it almost seems like they had to give Lois something to do here. So she goes and grabs the spear and she wants to throw it into the water. Of course, not thinking. Well, you never know, we might need this at some point. No, she just throws it down a well. So. Yeah, he really loves his job. He, he really wants to torch somebody. But now he realizes he's fucked. The bat has arrived. Might be a little kill crazy here, I would have to uh I would have to say. He is shooting proper bullets and blowing things up. I wouldn't have minded too much if one or two of those guys had a jump to the side. Um but again, we go back to this being a more vengeful Batman, you know, baby steps, baby steps. In fairness, during this warehouse fight, he doesn't kill anybody. He sort of, he sort of fights to wound more. I mean, this sequence coming up, this is just straight out of the Arkham games. If you ask me, that whole brilliant fight system that Rocksteady developed. But even just this, you know, jumping up in the Batwing, jumping across, crashing through the windows. That's pure Batman from the cart. The cartoons, the comics, everything you can think of. And then again, even just to get this fight started, all guns are pointed at, at uh, the door. But of course, Batman will always think of a better entrance than that, a more tactical entrance. Even just the build-up here, the tenseness, it worked, all works really well. So of course, Batman comes up through the floor, throws on a couple of these uh, weapons disablers because... He's starting to remember again that he doesn't like guns. You know, it's taking him the whole movie to remember that, but there you go. Hanging guys upside down, grappling hooks. You know, so he shoots there more to get people to duck down. It's not like he's aiming for people or shooting people. Guy through the shoulder, but this great uh, punch. Yeah, straight out of the Arkham games. I absolutely love this whole sequence. This sequence wouldn't have been out of place in like John Wick or... Die Hard or Jackie Chan movie. I mean, ultimately, Batman is a well-placed ninja. Now, it's not his fault that that guy blew up. Let us just be clear here. It's not his fault. He kicked the grenade out of the guy's hand. He went and jumped on top of it. Now, I do, I do think there's going to be plenty of broken bones at the end of this fight. Uh, but, crucially, no killing. Smack. Lovely stuff. Using the grappling hook again. Taking people down. And I love that it's um, also showing that his armor's bulletproof because that's one of the things I like about this fight sequence. There are times that they get little nicks in or they get little stabbings in or, you know, they do get clean shots at him. And I do like that because ultimately Batman is human and that's what makes those fights work more, I think.
like again someone shoots him right in the head and I like that because I've always thought you know why does not just aim for the head with Batman Frank Miller always explained that the bat symbol in his chest was used as a target so that that's what the criminals would aim for and that's the best protected part of his part of his suit but I like the whole idea of they actually do shoot him in the head there but it's a Kevlar um, cowl so it doesn't go through but even here he stabs the guy yeah in the shoulder not the kill That whole sequence just brilliant. Perfectly encapsulates why Batman is such a scary character. And even like that they hear the screams, they don't actually see what's happening. Because that's the kind of thing that just adds to his myth. And again, this is all straight out of Dark Knight Returns. The crashing through the wall, holding the guy hostage, the I'll kill her, the I believe you. And in this Batman, he's not afraid to make a choice. You know, he's put in an impossible situation here where it's either her or him. And he does take out the bad guy. He makes that hard choice of, you know, doing that to save Martha. Again, we see the suit comes in handy. It's clearly fire resistant. But even just a little bit of humor in here, a little bit of a, I'm a friend of your son's like, I guess, you know, the cape. Again, they're just sort of giving Lois something to do here. Has she really been wandering around with that spear for 15 minutes? I mean, why throw it in the water? You, you know other Kryptonians do exist. You saw them attack the city in Man of Steel. Ah, oh, very strange. Lex annoyed. Seems like his plan hasn't worked. He hasn't got a... Hasn't got a phone call or hasn't got Superman arriving. Then he sees him. No head of the bat, so he's thinking, I guess we'll just kill your mum. But even here, Lex tries to be a man of his word because he says, well, if you don't bring me the head of the bat, I will call and uh, kill your mum. First thing he does is call, but doesn't get the answer he's obviously looking for. But again, Lex is a planner, so he's got a backup plan to his uh, backup plan to his backup plan. With the creation of Doomsday, with the creation of a being that can take Superman on. I mean, his pure rage and hatred for Superman is is there for all to see at this point. And I do like that line of if man, if God won't kill man, then the devil will do it. Again, nice big epic shots of the city. Again, showing how good Schneider can be as a as a visuals man. Those things that f float around in the water always freaked me out watching these movies. Very important point, I know. The effect of Doomsday, I think, is pretty good. I don't think it's Thanos-level good now that we live in a post-Infinity War world. But I do think my one regret with this big fight between Doomsday and the Trinity is that just as Doomsday's starting to look like his proper self, with all the spikes coming out of him and the bones and all that stuff, that's when he's killed off. But I do think the effects are good. It is a menacing creature. The teeth look great. Um, you know, it moves very well. All the slime, plasma sort of dripping off it there. Like that. But again, I like that even though Lex created Doomsday, he's the closest one to him, so he's going to try and punch him. But again, it goes back to that whole line of saving me from the fists of my dad. And there's a Superman there to stop him being punched. And this is great stuff out of the comics, the whole superpower punches and Superman must be thinking, for God's sake, I just fought Batman, now I have to fight this thing. It's just not my night. 
Again, I love the size and the scale of this. You know, Superman is positively dwarfed there. But he's not going to let that stop him. He's people to save. It's his world to protect. Even if he's getting his ass handed to him at the moment. Thrown through his own statue and everything. Of course, they do make a point here because it looks like this... Uh, Citywide destructions about to begin. They do make the point a few times throughout this fight. I think in, um, in relation to Man of Steel and people saying it was disaster porn and buildings being crushed and people dying, they do keep saying like, oh, that's the financial district. Most of them have went home, or this area is deserted, or they at least try to make a point here of saying that not hundreds of thousands of people are going to die in all these buildings. Batman's dropped off Martha. He's getting his ass to the fight. Blatant advert for Turkish Airlines there. And another one. So again, Diana isn't getting too involved until she sees big creatures. And you get the sense that Diana likes fighting things bigger than her. You certainly get that more after watching Wonder Woman as well. So even though she's been going through this whole movie going like, it's not my fight and I've turned my back on humanity and, you know, sort out your own mess. As soon as there's a big fight to be had, she's up, she's up for it. So again, people aren't understanding all this destruction, all these bullets, all this pain towards... Um, Doomsday, it's actually making them stronger. Again, lots of buildings destroyed. Again, they do say, oh, that whole area has been cleared for the day. So, it's almost like Dana looks at it like, oh, no, I've got a challenge, right? I'll, I'll go and take it on. So, Batman makes his way now across from Gotham to Metropolis. He's looking at a bit of guidance from Alfred. Yeah, Dana's like, these two boys can't do anything. I'll go and sort it out myself. It's like King Kong vibes there almost from uh, Doomsday. But just as he's celebrating, Superman has had enough. So again, this is this is great stuff because this is Superman taking him away from the city. This is Superman fighting him somewhere else rather than where there are civilians. And of course, Mr. Army General thinks, let's nuke him. There's always people like this in these types of movies. Like Superman has already... In these movies, as guided to by the end of Man of Steel it's been established that Superman's there to help people and he's just proven that he's there to help people by flying the creature away and their first thought is let's nuke it that makes no sense I hate those type of characters in this movie or in these movies it's like you know all sorts of disaster movies in fairness you've got to praise their efficiency for getting that rocket off as quickly as they did it's a shame that they had to because I love all this stuff this you know, fighting in the stars, you know, punching back and forth. It's the kind of thing you see in comic books all the time. It's not the kind of thing you see in live action all the time, but all these big punches and, you know, in space. And I love all this stuff. Again, Superman's trying to take the creature as far away as possible from Earth, but then also realizes what's coming towards them. So turns Doomsday towards it. <laughs> Great, again, great visuals showing, showing the sky pretty much is on fire with that nucleus went off in space. Oh, we're back to trying to show Lois doing something useful again. So again, now the creature Doomsday is landing in Gotham now. But again, the projectile hit this area. It's an unpopulated area. It's very important that we say this every single time. Then, of course, they lose sight of Superman. Again, Mr. Army General stands there like, yeah, it's fine. Twat. As he's actually not able to figure out that everything they hit this thing with actually makes it stronger. Doomsday's starting to evolve. 
So this is where you're starting to see a bit more of that classic character design, you know, the bones protruding from the body and, you know, it always looks like Doomsday is always in pain. Again, very much a pains to show that it's away from the main city. I love this visual, these visuals here though. Superman essentially being a corpse, you know, because he's obviously enshrouded in darkness. My goodness, someone in the army who speaks sense and knows what's going on. Who knew? It's alright, Batman's on the scene to sort this stuff out. I mean, Batman is thinking, you know, I'm just used to punching crazy clowns and penguins and top hats in the head. Don't deal with this kind of stuff usually. But again, he has the technology to outrun it, which is good. <clears throat> so again, Batman at this point is trying to formulate a plan, like what can I do? So he talks about taking it back to the city, but... He knows again that that area is abandoned, but he does know that there's a weapon there that will actually kill it because the kryptonite spear, which of course Lois had to throw down in the water because they had to give her something to do. So again, Batman's plan is to lead the creature to the weapon that will destroy it. But to do that, oh shit, I have to go back. Now, shooting bullets at this point is acceptable. Not killing. Again, we go back to uh, Superman in space. Again, I love this imagery. And I love this sort of healing that happens here. You know, suddenly the, the sun is replenishing its cells. It's nourishing. It's, its sun is younger than what Krypton's was, so it's more brighter and more nourishing. Now Superman's starting to get Back to being full power. Oh yeah. Shit is gonna go down. Ace chemicals in the background there. Always love a wee Batman reference. So now uh, Batman is shot down. Which leads to one of the most awesome introductions of any superhero in any movie ever. So Batman's basically screwed here. He even says the word shit. Which I don't think we've heard a Batman say before. And say what you will about all of this third act, whether you like it or don't. But this introduction, how can that not make the hairs in the back of your neck stand up? Absorbs all into the, into the gauntlets. That music hits. It's the first time Bruce has seen her properly. Suddenly even Doomsday looks slightly worried. Now Superman comes back. Why Lois suddenly then thinks at this point why she would know Batman's plans beyond me slightly, I have to say. Why she would suddenly go for the spear. Like how even Wonder Woman's question and Batman's logic, like, why the fuck did you bring it back here? You an idiot. Till of course, Batman can actually uh, explain his, his plan. So yeah, this all just struck me as giving Lois something to do. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Been a little busy. Yeah, I just can't get over how good Gal Gadot is in this as Wonder Woman, which again led to the superb movie. I've killed things from other worlds before. Yeah, we know we're going to explain that in some earlier movies. Historic moment right there, the Trinity on screen on their own for the first time ever. And again, Wonder Woman dominates the scene, which I find really interesting. It's almost like DC and Warner Brothers knew, even at this point, she was going to be the crown jewel. They put her front and center, the three of them there. Again, great imagery of them just standing up to the blast and absorbing that and, you know, showing how their beings from other worlds are super powered. Love that stuff. Straight out of a comic panel, that kind of thing.
Again, just everything about her in this is perfect. You know, that slow coming from behind the shield. Ready to take on Doomsday. Again, jumps headfirst in the battle. And what's great here is it shows very quickly Dana and Clark establishing a little bit of chemistry. You know, she flicks Doomsday in the air. He punches them to the ground. Again, it's probably Dana who causes the most damage to Doomsday the whole way through all of these fights. Superman gets caught a lot and thrown around a lot, so he does. Um, again, going back to the whole, geez, why did I get out of bed today feeling? And again, he's kicked across the way. Batman, of course, just sort of stays in the background because he's, he's not quite the same super-powered being that they are. Batman's all about being, being an opportunist. But I love this little, this little sort of cheeky smile of, oh, you got me, I'll get you back now. Yeah, Batman's more of a planner. He he waits for his moment, shall we say. Needs that kryptonite spear. It's lucky Lois is on the case. But again, we're back to establishing the connection between Lois and Clark. Or even as Clark's in the middle of a big massive fight. And again, I love this scene when it cuts to the side. I mean, that's just, that's a comic double spread right there. Just the two of them sort of firing at each other. Another one that Clark loses, he's really just not having much luck with here. But again, just as he's ready to engage, he realises Lois is in trouble. Can hear her cries, her smacking of the, the stone. And of course, just as she's almost drawing her final breath, Clark's a master of timing. But I think even he realises what she was doing here, so he even goes back for the uh, the kryptonite spear as well, even though he knows it's going to harm him and hurt him. But again, that shows Superman will always be selfless. He'll always put the needs of others before himself. Well, he does need Lois's help here to actually get out of the water. Because it is affecting him. Batman's like, oh shit, he just saw me. <laughs> But again, Crash of the Lightning, Batman on a grappling hook. I mean, how that wouldn't bring joy to any comic book fans' faces beyond me. But even here, I mean, Batman is able to defend himself and engage to a degree. He does know he's only got one shot left with the old, uh, the old kryptonite grenade. And he is a master of hiding, clearly, as well. As now Doomsday can't see him. So again, yeah, we see Clark here floating, you know, doing his best to bring the spear up, but... It is severely weakening him. That cape's got to be heavy. And this is where you actually get the proper Hans Zimmer music coming in. Where Clark's surveying the damage and saying, you know, despite Dana's best efforts... It needs to be, he needs to be the one to make the sacrifice. There's that little cheeky smile again. Oh, I got you. Launched a thousand gifts and memes. Geez, you could almost say it's Diana's fault that Clark dies. Because if she hadn't chopped Doomsday's hand off, that sort of bone spear wouldn't have come out of his hand. But yeah, this whole, this is my world, you are my world, this is all happening while the man of steel... Music starts to play in the background, which is, again, so infinitely superior to any other musical cue in this movie. Bar the Wonder Woman music, I will say. I do like that he's got the Superman spit curl there as well from being in the water. Nice little nod to the past. <clears throat> yeah, you just know what Superman's going to do here. He's going to sacrifice himself. I mean, this is a great little part of showing how the Trinity all work together. We see the lasso of truth for the first time. Diana traps Doomsday. Batman finally comes to the party with a little grenade. Poof. That sets it all up for Clark to make the uh, the final movement. 
and straight in the chest. It's a good shot, Superman, if nothing else. But I do like that it took all three of them to take it down, working as a team. But again, here comes the spike in the Superman's chest. No, don't do it. Still gets me every time, even though I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times. <clears throat> and even though he knows it's the end for him, he still knows he has to just go that little bit further just to stick the spear the whole way in. That sounded dirtier than I uh, had intended it to be, I have to say. And that right there is the end of Doomsday. But also, sadly, for now anyway, the end of Clark. And just the joy of having Batman and Superman on the same screen. Can't tell you how happy you know ten year old version of me would be right now. Wonder Woman on screen as well. Of course, we got to see Lois's reaction. Even this sort of the wrapping up of the arms and wrapping up in the cape. It's almost like the respect you give to a fallen soldier. Lois tries to help like she's got any strength. Leave this to Wonder Woman. amazing because this movie sort of got panned for having a, a bit of a you know not a bit of but a dark ending so many movies get praised for their dark endings you know you look at empire strikes back is always the the biggest example you look recently at infinity war you know people look at this as brave endings but yet this ends with the death of superman and most people are like oh, why did you kill superman you know as if they weren't setting it up that he was going to come back in a future movie in one way or another plus as anybody who ever reads comic books knows, if you die in a comic book, you're never really dead. There's great imagery of Batman though coming out of that darkness. I remember seeing that in one of the very first trailers. Just thinking that was such a badass looking Batman though I didn't fully understand the context of the scene that I have to say in comparison to what it finally was. But yeah, this ends in a dark way, but it also ends with, you know, hints of optimism as well. You know, with you know Bruce learning the error of his ways and saying we need to find the others like us and all that kind of stuff. This is a little scene that is for the extended edition only. Again, setting up further things. So this shows Lex still on the uh, Kryptonian ship. And uh, playing with forces he can't possibly understand. But even here you see Steppenwolf for the first time who will turn out to be one of the villains in... Justice League. It's got a very different look here, I have to say. Well, not a massively different look, but there's definitely a different look to that. But it's interesting that Luther's chatting to him. Because you don't see Luther in Justice League at all, except for the after credit scenes. Spoilers, of course. But again, I like that this Lex, even though he's being defeated, he's still trying to find a way out. He's still trying to better himself through knowledge. Now we start to see more of the Lex that we recognise without those long locks. We get the uh, the bald-headed version of Lex, which again we see in the post credit scenes of Justice League. Uh, newspapers do still exist, Perry, and I bet you this is your biggest selling issue of all time. You say people don't read newspapers anymore. We'll read this one. And of course they have to throw in the old uh, Superman's dead. But this reporter's dead as well just so it doesn't look so uh, strange. 
Again, all these sort of desolate, isolated street scenes. I don't remember these being in the uh, theatrical cut, but I like this idea of, you know, Superman did become such a beacon of hope and he did save the world that, you know, life just sort of stops. You know, these sort of earth-shattering events that happen in our lifetimes that does just bring things to a halt. And of course we go to the Kent farm and, you know, a much more low-key funeral because obviously this is for Clark Kent, it's not for Superman. And again, there's a little key part in here. Again, it goes back to, and I'm sure you guys are bored of hearing me say this, but it goes back to the whole detail of stuff that's in the theatrical cut and stuff that's in the extended edition. What The talk here about, you know, Martha needs to go and get the money to pay for the funeral and someone says, it's already been taken care of. You know, there's a couple of throwbacks there to Man of Steel with the uh, the priest and also uh, Clark's childhood bully turned friend. But I do like they've got Clark's body here. You know, this again shows the reach and the influence of Bruce Wayne that he's obviously able to smuggle out Clark's body when Superman died. Of course, they're bearing an empty casket when they're uh, doing the funeral for Superman. Lois lying in uh, Clark's childhood bed. Insert your own dirty jokes right here. I do like this bond though between uh, Ma Kent and uh, Lois. It's a lot more pronounced than I've seen it in other sort of film interpretations. And of course the final stickler, Clark of course was going to propose. Again, just to hammer home that somber ending. So again, a low-key sort of funeral for Clark. You do wonder how many friends he had. You can see some of his childhood friends there. You can see, obviously, what's left of the Kent family. You can see the reporters from the uh, Daily Planet. And then you contrast that with Superman's funeral, which is basically, you know, the world stops, stops dead for. They want to pay their respects. And I like that it all leads to a little line here with uh, Diana where she says um, they're honoring him as a soldier because they are they're burying him as a soldier because they don't know how to honor him. It's almost like his death unites the world in terms of opinions on him. You know, the whole way through the movie, it's all being like, are you for Superman? Are you against Superman? You know, what does he stand for? You know, when should he act? But obviously in the, the battle of Metropolis and Gotham where he saves the world, um, they've now united in grief and it seems to be universally accepted that, uh, yeah, he was protecting us. I do love that silver logo. That seems like a little throwback to the, the Donner era to me. The black casket and the silver crest. This funeral sequence just a little bit longer as well than What's in the theatrical cut? Look at how slick Perry looks there in his sunglasses. and That's one well-dressed man. I also love the uh, the grave diggers in the background who just look bored. They're just sort of like, when are you going to be finished here, mate? We need to bury this body. we got a job to do. But yeah, this is the line here where they're talking about, oh, well... We'll go and get my purse. And it's like, oh, who took care of it? It's like anonymous donor. And then, of course, you can see uh, Lois standing over the grave. Of course, we all know who that anonymous donor is. 
it'll be that man standing in the background. Again, I like that he keeps his distance from it. From the funeral. He almost feels like he doesn't deserve to be at the funeral because he, he, he feels like he failed Superman. Lois with the ring on. She was obviously going to say yes. Or maybe she's just guiltily wearing it. I don't know. Maybe she would have said no. Bruce even refers to it as a, a circus back east where they're uh, burying him. But it is, as well as the death of Superman uniting the city and uniting the world, it also shows Bruce the error of his ways and saying how he feels when he needs to be better and they need to inspire and they need to, you know, band together. Saying how he feels him in life, he won't feel him in death. There is a little line here that um, it sort of sets up Wonder Woman, but also gives a little bit of inconsistency because Diana says 100 years ago she turned her back on the world because of you know men's capacity to be bad and to harm each other. But uh, there's been a good meme going around actually recently that says that has that speech and then it goes, except for my crazy adventure in the 80s, because obviously Wonder Woman 2 is set in 1984. But I like all this voiceover at the end. I like the hope of all this. I like the, you know, we can rebuild, we can do better, we must. You know, and all these people with their candlelight vigils and, you know, talking about the hope that Superman brought to their lives. And yeah, all this stuff gets me quite emotional. I love this whole, if you seek his monument, you know, look around. And you get the first hint of the others, you know, Dana's like, you know, why did you say we have to find them? Why will they have to fight? Bruce is like, just a feeling. But again, this leads to a scene that in the theatrical cut was made no sense whatsoever where Batman goes to visit Lex. But here it's so much longer and so much better. He talks about having friends in Arkham that'll, you know, apply pressure to him and you know, he has friend like even just the mention of Arkham, it's not mentioned at any other time. But in the theatrical case, he just basically walks in, he goes, Wherever you go, wherever I'll be there, and that's it. And he's like, But the bell's already been rung, whereas here there's much more threatening language used by Batman. Again, just going back to those little details about Arkham Asylum and how he's gonna have him transferred there and you know, he's got friends in low places and all this kind of stuff. But I love the imagery here of Batman, you know, just in the dark there. It's just kick-ass. Especially once the lights go red and he's just standing there. I mean, that's just straight out of a Lieber Mayo or a Alex Ross painting. And it actually instills fear in Lex as well at first. Admittedly, Lex is good at regaining his composure quickly. You, know, you wonder how much knowledge is in Lex's head now with all the stuff he learned from the Kryptonian ship and all the stuff that you know, he learned obviously in his quick conversation there with Steppenwolf as well. But again, this is great setup for Justice League that was not paid off in Justice League, this whole but the bell's already been rung and he's heard it. They know the god is dead. and You know, why they went with Steppenwolf for the villain of Justice League instead of just bloody bringing Darkseid into it? It's beyond me. But that's a conversation with another day with regards to the uh, fabled Schneider Cut. can actually see a little bit of fear in Batman's eyes there because he's basically saying like out amongst the stars they know the god is dead you know other threats are going to be coming and then like that he's gone 
even just the characterization of Lex here at the end I really enjoy because he's clearly going more and more insane but he's also been established as a genius and those are that's a very dangerous combination insanity mixed with genius which basically sums up Lex Luthor in general I mean I think this movie was as much about turning Batman around as it was about creating Lex Luthor as well I love this painting about them saying it's upside down you know because you know the devils are going to come from the sky now they are going to come from you know other worlds they are going to view earth as weak but even here this is you know Bruce starting a long path back to redemption you know he must start it on his own just great imagery everywhere Just in case you didn't see she was wearing the ring. There it is. Once again made blatantly obvious for you. But the dirt landing on the casket there. It's. Again it's. like Look at these grave diggers. They really do just want to do their job. It's like could everybody just leave this grave now. And they're like finally. But again this all. This shows a little bit of life in the casket. Because you start to see the. The dirt molecules rise. As if there's still a life force in there. But again that's not really paid off in Justice League. Because it takes one of the mother boxes to wake them up properly. There's so many great seeds in this setup That just obviously due to. The nature of how Justice League was made. And the troubled production. And the switching of directors. And everything else that we know. But yeah I, I think this is such a great movie. I think it's it's everything you want a comic book movie to be. There's great action. There's great characterization. There's clear character development. Uh, there's beautiful visuals. Um, it gives you something to think about. But again, it, it goes back to me emphasizing only in this extended edition because the theatrical cut, I, I can't even watch it anymore. It does not make sense. It does not give you what you need. And I think this is the only version that does. And I wish Justice League had been on a par with this movie because... Justice League turned out to be quite the disappointment, especially given that it came out within maybe six to eight months of Infinity War, which as anybody who knows me knows how much I'm a, I'm a DC man, but it sort of kills me just how good uh, Infinity War is. Just look at the credits there, Officer Mazzuchelli and Officer Rucka, that's a nice little nod there to Greg Rucka and uh, David Mazzuchelli, Batman writer and artist uh, respectively. Again, there's little things like that in this where they, they show respect to the um to the source material, they show respect to the comics and I love that. Um so yeah, um so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed listening to my ramblings. Um you know, the feedback I've got so far has been quite good, so you never know I might do one for Justice League, but I have a feeling it would be a slightly less uh gushing one. Um, but yeah, I quite like doing these little commentaries, sort of chatting through things I notice and bits and pieces I see. So, uh, as well as maybe doing a few more DC movies, I'll maybe jump on and do a couple of Marvel movies as well. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. So again, hope you guys enjoyed this. This concludes my Mammoth 3R Plus, uh, recording for, uh, Batman v Superman, the extended edition. Until next time, guys. Thank mm -hmm. you.